You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. This is The Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Got a hot mic here, Bracken. Hot mic. Push the button, Kirk. Pushed it. Is it a green button now? Uh, No, it's a red button. It's green on my end now. All right, I'm going to start with an apology. You are. To the running public. Okay. We had no weekend long run episode come out this week. Hmm. Apology not needed, but continue. We recorded an episode. We yeah. had a delightful conversation with a young man, an extraordinary young man. Mm-hmm. And his audio file was just not usable. Tried your best. Ours. <laughs> Yours works. Mine works. He has a very thick Scottish brogue. And he had a poor audio connection. In person, we could understand a lot of it. The audio file was, it was unlistenable, unfortunately. So he's someone we need to have back on, but we could not salvage the episode. If you put that audio out there, because it was a really nice conversation, to be honest. Uh, Harvey Mitchell Divers, uh, extraordinary young man, 17 years old, lives in Scotland. Um doing some crazy big things. But if you had to guess what percentage of that audio the listener could understand, what what percentage would you guess? 30 to 40. Is 30 to 40 worth putting it out? You think people would listen? I guess maybe we put up a poll. In person, I caught probably 70 to 75% of what he was saying. When I went to edit it, having already had the conversation and knowing what was being said, I caught maybe 50% of what it, what it was because of the audio combined with the accent. Well, this young man holds the downhill half marathon Guinness book of world records down Mount Kilimanjaro at highest elevation <clears throat> at highest elevation. Yep. He's uh, done a number of things, including when his uh, age group at Spartan race world champs lives this crazy life of adventure, all while raising money for charity. But yes, accent was thick, audio connection was poor. I think we should pull the people. I don't know. We got the file, don't we? We we have it. Yeah. It's edited. Mm. We could throw it up. It just, when I was listening, editing it, it was one of those where I found myself getting really frustrated. Like, oh, I couldn't hear that. Rewind it. Still don't know what he said. And and it's not all the the accent. It's the audio clarity is rough. And you combine that with the accent and it's a losing battle. Well, you know what? I know I'm having a really good run when I'm completely tuning out whatever's in my ears, whether it's a podcast or music. Like I don't even know what's being talked about or played. So this would be a good one to queue up when you plan on having a sweet run, right? And you just don't even know what's going on or you're listening to because then you're in the zone. So maybe it's a good in the zone podcast. It could be. But I was thinking about him. He deserves a, a good quality podcast. People, He deserves people to understand what he said, to hear his words and his message. 
and he wasn't it wasn't going to do his interview justice isn't that the truth yeah so yeah some of the people would get more out of it than others but he wouldn't get his due justice and that that was ultimately the the point where i just pulled the plug all right well he doesn't deserve a negative connotation in anyone's mind and he wouldn't but it'd be frustrating listen i suppose well we'll just see if we get any feedback how about that anybody's thoughts deal go but on to you sure i'm looking at a man with a brand new shiny pr it's very shiny adult life pr we'll call it adult life pr Solo time trial PR for sure. I sure did. What'd you do, Kirk? I uh, put my money where my mouth was. Went and ran a 5K, 5K time trial on the roads uh, last week. Alone. Uh, I got <clears throat> alone, yeah. On a very hot, muggy morning as well, um, which for sure ended up factoring in looking at my heart rate data. I was surprised I was able to maintain pace towards the end but i kind of kind of had my uh my heart set on a pace and i was gonna do what i had to do to do it and uh i mean it really turned into um a race i mean nobody was there but i was and i came to race and i raced myself and that's the effort it took for me to to put that time out but um around 1528 on uh i have this like this nice, it's fairly flat. There's maybe like, I don't know, 15 feet of gain and loss in a 1200 meter loop. It's just a block near my house, low traffic. Don't have to worry about anything as far as cars are getting slowed down. And so it's a three quarter mile loop. And I do a lot of my quality workouts there. It's about a mile from my house and it's just, you know, nice clean pavement. And so I went and did it there. It's four loops and a finisher. Four loops and a, and a finisher. Yeah. Four loops and about a hundred meters is what it ended up turning into. Yeah. So it's good. I um, I knew I could run fifteen thirty, but I haven't really done. I haven't done a lot of workouts. I would indicate that in a sense in which I'm not doing like repeatable repeats every week on the track and getting dialed in with my pace. I've done one or two, but I'm still doing incline work and long runs on ski hills and and so I just thought uh, thought I was due to find out what my fitness was truly at, and I found out what I thought I already knew, and it was that I was in fifteen thirty shape. I'm right. Except you're not. What do you mean? If you ran 1528 alone, you're in 1515 shape. 1520 shape at worst. 1510, 150 in the right race with the right people. You know, I did think if it was because it was like 78 degrees and very humid. It's like those that and it was at 7:30 in the morning. It ended up getting to like 98 degrees that day. So you know those hot, humid mornings that are just mm-hmm. soupy. And I'd wondered if it was 10 or 15 degrees cooler. If we had a 60 degree morning or something. This morning here, it's like 56. It's brisk. I was wondering if that would have made a difference, but it doesn't matter. I'm happy. And the humidity is what does it. I ran my 5K PR and it was 91 degrees. Oh, that that road race you ran, 91. Yeah, degrees? which was part of why I was real close to vomiting at the end. But it was not, it was a rare Wisconsin June day where it wasn't humid. It was uh, probably 45 or 50% humidity, which some areas of the country would call dry and some areas would call very humid. But we've, we've had a similar stretch where we've been in the 90s with 75 to 90% humidity for like a week straight. The other day, we're camping right now. The other night uh, at... I think it was 8 p.m. We were sitting still sweaty and we checked our phones and it said feels like 99. 
disgusting because it was just so humid it just wouldn't drop and then we got thunderstorms that night and it broke a little bit but it's just the humidity is what kills you yeah it felt sticky but it got me thinking bracken it got me thinking like like i admit that my and i we had a conversation before we started recording that my climbing has definitely suffered a little bit i'm not the fastest climber i've ever been but um on the flats i think things are rolling pretty nice and it got me thinking like what what do I try to pursue here? Like my 5k time is very, very, very average in the grand scheme of things amongst like amongst elite level runners. It's below average if you really want to break it down. But then it got me thinking, well, if I can run 15, 28 on the roads and I'm still trying to be a balanced athlete, meaning running on the trails, I'd still like to do some OCR stuff this fall. Like what if I put a big focus on the 5k, where would my potential be? Um, then it got me thinking like, huh? Could I try to, I don't know, run Break in the 14s 15. as a 40-year-old, which I don't know how many people do that. That's eight months away, nine months away. Is is that a possibility? And what, what percentile of humans do that? And now I'm starting to get these you know left-field goals like that. So we'll, I maybe I'll have to rein it in. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think that to the average person, the difference between a 16-minute 5K and a 14 or a 12-minute 5K is negligible. It's all otherworldly to the average person. But when you start are, talking – go ahead. Well, no. that, those are on different universes. They are. When you start Correct. talking to runners who have run at a higher level or people that just know the sport a little bit, the difference between 16 and 12 is is a different universe. Mm-hmm. You know, To put it in perspective, I want to say <clears> – <throat> the highest placing U S woman at five K worlds was like right around ninth. And I think she ran, I don't know, 1457 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I I'm off about that, but I know that there, you can't make a U.S. team if you're not under 1450 at, at the championships now. So like 1528 is fantastic. And it would mean that you'd be top 25 as a woman in this country right now. <laughs> Maybe. So like our point is all things are relative speed wise, but there's a big difference between 15 something and 14 something in the running, in the running world. Huge. There are a lot of good runners who run in the 15s, significantly less run in the 14s and then significantly, significantly less go 13s and only the freaks of the freaks run in the the 12s. But 14 is really that to a collegiate runner to a post-collegiate that 1459 is eons away from 1501 it really in terms is, of like it? the the connotation of what your 5k PR is so no I fully understand why you would want to and I know what did I tell you after we talked that's exactly hmm. what I'd be thinking if I ran 1520s solo I'd immediately be thinking I have a shot at sub 15 I think I kind of want to go after that yeah that's been crossing my mind Exactly. They have a twilight meet here. It's a twilight series. Uh, they run around the nation in some of the major cities. And August 31st, it's a Wednesday night. You submit your seed time uh, and go race on the track. And I have not raced on the track since college. Uh, they have a 5K, high-end 5K. And it was here in the cities a couple weeks ago. So I think they run it about once a month in the summer. They let people try to run fast in the lights at 9, 10 p.m. when the the summer conditions typically calm in the evening. So you get low wind, low temps, humidity drops. Um, anyways, and it was one in 1407 
And then there was a handful of guys in the 1430s. I think 10th place in the fast heat was like 1452. Um, and the slowest seed time uh, they take is 1530 for the fast heat. 1530 Ooh. and faster. And so technically I would qualify for the fast heat if I submitted my seed time on the roads, which would put me in with those guys. Um, they lump everybody 1530 and under in the fastest heat. And then it goes like 1530 to 1630, 1630 to 18 minutes, 18 to, you know, they segment it off like that. That is tricky. That's a big discrepancy. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah, Cause then you're hoping that there's someone trying to run 15 flat rather than trying a 15 flat guy trying to run 1430. Correct. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Cause there's a difference between going out in 452 in a group of 10 and 452 watching the 445 group run away from you and you're alone. Correct. Correct. We'll so let's finish, let's finish up with two questions from me about your time trial. Okay. What were your splits? Um, five flat, five flat, four fifty nine, and oh, then I kicked home in like four thirty pace or something for the last tenth. That's a thing of beauty. And how bad was it? What did it really? feel like? Uh, it felt like my body was exploding from the inside out, and um. It would be like, I feel like it'd be like if you put your hand over a fire and just held it there. That's how my whole body felt. <laughs> like right over the fire text. where you shouldn't. Did I say something via text to you that was noteworthy? You, it sent, you sent me a picture yeah. of your watch. 3.10 miles, 1528.4. Last mile, 459. I said, that's moving. You said it was horrible. <laughs> I sent an emoji and when did it get bad? And you wrote, I hated that. God, it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even answer the question. Just had to like, tell someone I hated that. You might have been the only one I told. About time. a mile and three quarters. I thought it was over, but I hung up. Um, you know, when it comes I to time trialing, <laughs> I really did hate that. <laughs> It was oh, bad. We just sentence. we just talked. Well, the day before we recorded an episode about pacing yourself mm -hmm. in workouts and races, and then I asked you what would I what would you go out in uh, if you were to do a five k time trial if you were me and you kind of gave me advice. Well, I threw that out the window. I basically said I want to run fifteen thirty or faster, or I want to bust. I don't have if I run fifteen forty, I've already done that at some point. So. Um, I just put the, the lap function on my watch. So I could only see the current mile split and I made sure I hit five flat and then I made sure I hit 10 flat. And when I hit 10 flat, I was surging to do so. And I was like, I can't sustain this. Like I, you know, but then you get that thing. Like it's only a mile. It's only like five more minutes of pain, five minutes. You can hang on for five minutes, Kirk. And I just looked at my watch and made sure my pace stayed dead on the nuts at five minute pace. And I knew I could kick home five minute pace. Exactly. is 1530, I believe. So roughly, right? 1530, 1531, mm -hmm. something like that. So anyway, so I just held myself to that standard and tricked myself into staying with it. That's what happened. And that's how it worked. We talked about that question. Can I keep this the rest of the time? When did it go from yes to maybe to, I don't know, hopefully. Yes at a mile. Maybe at 1.25. <laughs> oh <laughs> Life came at you fast. <laughs> I'm not sure at a mile and a half and definitely probably not at two miles. But um, I wanted to find out. 
and I did. So I think I saw 191 on the heart rate or 192. I haven't seen that, a 179 heart rate average for me. Um, my max has slowly gone down over the years, so that's pretty high. It's the biggest sustained effort I've done recently. And it also proves that gentleman wrong that commented on my post that you had to uh, <laughs> get on your soapbox for a couple of weeks ago um, about me running 5K pace in my workout for uh, one of my track workouts. So nonetheless, it all worked itself out, didn't it, Bracken? You got a PR. You got to be the petty king for a day. Everything's great. Really is. Well, congratulations. But, 5K adult PR. When we say adult, we mean not college. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to match your college track times uh, on the road or in regular life. College is like this, its own universe that doesn't really translate to real life. It really doesn't. Well, thank you, sir. And at 39, that feels good. Sure. Um, don't know how much it'll translate to OCR, which I can feel like there's a big difference between riding that fine line of tipping in like a 5k time trial versus going in and out of tipping in like an OCR race or a, uh, a trail race with a lot of vert, but it's a damn good start and indicator, I would say. So, um, so my final question then, yep. If I remember correctly, you almost didn't run it cause you were so beat up from Saturday's hill workout. Prior. Very beat up. Yep. So react to that for the audience to, as a reminder. Um, yeah, I just, I, I did a lot of downhill work on the Saturday before, which was, I don't know, four days earlier. And I was very stiff and, um, the body doesn't recover quite as, as quickly. And so I had a real rough eight mile run the day before on Tuesday where my legs were just boat anchors and my hips were so tight and, um, woke up Wednesday feeling a bit the same, but thought, why not? Why not do it while tired? I know that if I can do it while tired, I could probably do it faster while not tired. And so, um, hips and glutes were still really really tight, had to work them out with a lot of plyos in the warm up and try to get through it. And then, um, it leads me to believe that I was actually compromised for the effort, but, um, maybe we'll get another chance to find out where the potential lies. So yeah. Difference between fatigued and sore and not able to do a workout. It's important yeah. to remember. It is. Yeah. Should we, uh, enough about me, enough about that. Um, feels like a while ago already, even though it was just a week ago that I, I ran that time trial. So, uh, you had a topic we should talk about today and I like it. What is it? The gear we're using now. Got a, got some questions about it. What, what, what gear are you using right now? We've talked about gear in the past. Our most recent one was for winter running, which is clearly not happening right now, but people are prepping for late summer, fall races. What are we using? Let's tell them. I don't think we've ever done, I guess this is a general, the gear we use episode, but maybe a summer version of our winter episode, what keeps us happy and healthy and running comfortably for some, in some regard for the summer. So yeah, we've had some people ask about rain jackets, watches, race shoes, packs, all that stuff. So let's tell them. I like it. And uh, if there's anything uh, the listener knows is that you enjoy talking about your gear. Oh, I do. You know what? Let's let's shake things up. Let's not start at the feet. Oh, well, you want to start at the head? You want to start, start at, at the, the head? Okay. We could start radiate the... outwards in concentric circles. Why don't we start right at like the hips and move down and then move up a little and down and then we could just do like an inverse. All right. Let's start at the groin. Let's start right up. Go ahead. What are you using in the groinal region? Oh, this question came up on the Running Public Facebook page for all the athletes on the Training Peaks plan. What do we do with our liners as men? 
And that answer is you and I cut our liners out. Yep. I suffered through college and post-collegiate and bad enclosure systems and chafing and just discomfort for years until I finally had this epiphany that I don't have to suffer through this. I can cut this liner out and just wear what I want underneath. And it changed my freaking life. I wonder if the, uh, what is it? The BYU steeplechaser, if he, uh, if he's got that figured out, his uh, testicle kept falling out in uh, yes, it did. the Olympic trials. Um, or no, yeah, nationals, sorry. It nationals, nationals. Yeah. In the trials and the finals, testicle popped out of his shorts. Semifinal oh. and final. <laughs> like, that's a mistake you make once. Yeah, you don't make that one twice. Anyways, he should listen to that little nugget of information right there. Yeah. Now, I have recently run in Janji. Their shorts, I have their AFO shorts, and they are probably the best liner I've used, best running liner. But other than that, I cut the liner out of every single pair of shorts except for my Nike AeroSwift compression shorts. I leave those in. I think they're pretty sweet, but I double up. I wear my regular running briefs and those, and it's just much more of a modest look. <laughs> it leaves more to the imagination. Is that what you want, to leave more to the imagination in that situation? I'm a family man, Kirk. I've got young uh, daughters. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, I don't like this starting in the middle. I think we do got to start nice and clean from the top down. You got to at least finish it off. What You, you use underwear, correct? Oh, well, yeah. I cut the liners out of my shorts uh, as well. Um and use underwear. Yes, I use uh, I use underwear. Seem to do a nice job. I don't like their briefs as much as their uh, sort of I guess your what do you call it? sport trunk type cut boxer yeah. brief type cut uh, a little more comfortable there. So yeah, that's what I that's what I've been using. They're costly, but they uh, they last. I've had I mean these same pairs in rotation for like three years, and they still seem pretty like new oddly enough. So. I just threw mine away this week as we were packing for camping. I finally said enough of this nonsense. I don't like these. I don't use them. And I threw them away. A pair of underwear. Yeah. Because I got the briefs and they ride up too far and they rub weird on my inner groin area. I don't like them. I chafe in there sometimes that line, that outside lining in there is a little too snug. And it's too harsh. It's too, (laughs) it's a hard stop there. But then you told me, yeah, you can't get the briefs. You have to get the boxer brief version, the boy shorts, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And I and that was my mistake. So I've had nothing but bad experiences with my one pair, but it's because I got the pair I shouldn't have got. Got it. But do you have the other pair now? No, because I, I'm set on running underwear right now, but eventually I'll have to. Mm-hmm. There's only so much that those can take. <laughs> they're They're running their course. Yeah. Yeah, I have mm-hmm. holes in many of them now. Really? Mostly from barbed wire catching them. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, all right, head. We're going to the head. We can get our oh, way back down to the crotch. Yeah, we can get our way back down to the crotch. So, And, and I know that uh, we're coming at you from a uh, male perspective. We have had many requests to have uh, a tenured female endurance athlete on to help uh, out on the women's side. We'll do our best there. Um, but. Mm-hmm. But this isn't a gear recommendation episode. This is a what we are using right now. We usually sure. like to say this shoe won't work for everyone. We don't care about everyone right now today, Kirk. We do. 
But in this episode, it's just what do we actually trust enough to use? Yeah, that's fair. So head, what are we doing with our heads? If I'm running, I'm wearing one of two things on my head outdoor. It's either my Boko endurance mesh hat or race mesh, or I have a craft nano fit, no, not nano fit, nano weight mesh hat. And they are the two most breathable hats I've ever run in. So comfortable and they do the trick. Yeah. Boko. I mean, I have two Boko hats. I rotate between the two of them. I used to VJ run in a, and North yeah. Pier Brewing. Yep. North Pier Brewing from yep. uh, Jay Fettig. Yeah. Oh, the gentleman who also made a running public beer for us. He owns a brewery in Michigan, but um, I used to run in like a backwards, like I'm wearing right now, just a backwards, uh, like sport hat, like I normally mm-hmm. would wear. Um, and then era? you realize what's that? Is it new era? New, oh yeah. As soon as I got a real running hat a few years ago, I was like, Oh my God, what, what have I been doing here? And I haven't gone back since unless I'm breaking in a new, like daily cap. It's good to sweat in them a couple of times and get them, you know, right where they need to be. But yeah, Boko all the way. I don't wear anything else. I actually recently bought one that I could throw a running public symbol or uh, logo up on. And I believe it's from head sweats. I actually haven't liked head sweats in the past. They don't fit my head well. Something you haven't had to deal with because you have hair is that when you wear your hat backwards, which is how I run with it, because I don't like the Mm -hmm. bill in front and I like it to protect my neck, the sun back there and keep the flies off my neck. So when you wear backwards with no hair, you have this half moon gaping hole of hair listness. Yours is covered with hair. I have just skin and some hats have a very narrow opening there and others have a much bigger opening and a that allows sunburn to happen and B it looks really strange. So head sweats historically has that issue, but I found a new one and it looks just like a Boko hat. It's the crusher hat. It's called crusher because it's designed to be balled up and thrown in your luggage. Oh, nice. But it's basically a head sweats version of Boko, and I like it every bit as much as the Boko hat. So I, I have a third type of hat I wear. In case people are wondering what this is, because I don't feel like everybody's into the running hat thing. It's like those short kind of goofy looking hats that you see runners wearing. They like don't have a very big bill on them. They're pretty flimsy looking. Um, looks like a short. A lot of times people flip the uh, the lid it's like up. A cycling hat. Looks like, yeah, it's like a little version of a hat, but it does a really good job of soaking up your sweat. Like those things will hold on to it. Like you can wring them out when you're done. The bill is flexible. In fact, you could pull the hat off mid-workout, wring it out, throw it back on your head, and it'll keep like absorbing your sweat like a little bit um, versus like a traditional type of like um, like relaxed headwear. So um, yeah. they're nice that way. And then honestly, they hold so much water that what I find is when I sweat a lot in like a Boko or whatever is that it actually keeps you cool. Once you saturate that thing with water, it holds onto it nicely and it like kind of cools you off a little bit, keeps that head better than like any other hat I would wear. And so there's a functionality to it in case people are, are wondering. Yeah. And, yeah. and the holes on the Boko, they're, they're ventilator mesh. And then on this head sweats crusher hat, the holes are just big. And that it's different than a lot of running hats. They'll use those laser perforated holes and that just doesn't cut it. This is mm-hmm. like fishing net almost not quite, but it's made out of an athletic material. So it's not harsh on my poor little bald scalp. So I like that a lot. And if I'm on the treadmill doing something light, I'm doing that. And if I'm doing something really sweat inducing, I wear the, the junk band 
on my head just to soak up sweat. And oftentimes I'll have mm-hmm. to swap mid-workout. Yep. I used to do that. Don't as much anymore. Um, let's move down to the eyes and ears. What are you, what are you using? Well, I was always just uh knockoff Folkley's from AliExpress, but then Jason Silva sent me a pair of real Oakley's and said, it pained me to hear that. So now I have Oakley. I believe Jawbreaker is what I use. And I'm just in the bougie game now. Big difference between the Jokeleys and the Oakley's? Comfort-wise, they're almost identical because I had the upgraded Jokeleys, but their prism lenses are the real deal. You, you, They actually help coming in and out of sunlight, in and out of shadow. Because it's not always the sun that blinds you. It's the change in light. Mm-hmm. Trail running, if you hit shadow for a second, you're blind. Or if you come out of the shadows of the foliage into the light, you're blind for a second. And these do a good job. They're almost like transition lenses, but with a like a polarized film of some sort that allows that to be evened out. So that's that's been the big game changer. And they don't fog up as badly in winter. Mm. Well, because I'm colorblind, uh, and Jack Bauer gave me this recommendation, I wear my enchromas everywhere I go. But um, what the heck is the – you see them all over the place. You're still muted, by the way. You walk around um, with a vault strapped to your face. A vault? Yeah, aren't those things expensive? Um, I, I mean, I guess it depends what you consider expensive, but yeah, I run in them, and I and I don't buy cheap sunglasses because once you get nice sunglasses and you go back, it's really unfortunate. Like you realize, like there's this is one area in which is worth spending money, and even things like the lensing lenses fogging up, uh, how they last over time if they got a plastic coating on them, which a lot of the cheap ones do, they start to get like. I don't know what you call it, like crusty over time. They end up, mm-hmm. the, the, the glass um, gets compromised. So anyways, I mean, they're always polarized shades of some sort. What the heck do we see all over? I'm drawing a blank. You see them advertised everywhere. The, the sunglasses, gooder. Um, I don't like the sunglasses that really wrap around the face, like the pipe, uh, like pit vipers or anything, because I find like a typical blocky, like, I don't know, almost like a fashion type, frame on your sunglasses allows more air in versus something that wraps around your head. And in these muggy days, mine will fog right up on me. Mm. And so having something that's a little removed from the head and face is actually really helpful. It's not like I'm on a bike where there's 20 mile an hour winds blowing by your face. Like you're in the summer, they get condensed. And so sometimes people have a hard time with things just condensating when it, it wraps tight to the face. And so I don't like a sunglass that does that in the summer or in the winter, as you said, because then they get real fogged up. So I need, need some airflow yeah. in there. So that makes sense. That's my thought. I almost never run in them. I don't like sunglasses on my face. I don't like how it feels. I don't like my vision, but I wear them a hundred percent of the time when I bike and I wear it when I'm on trails during pollen season. If I get a bug in my eye or a branch slaps me, my <laughs> eyes swell up and get really itchy and puffy and it drives me crazy. So that's when I wear them. Otherwise yeah. I just don't wear sunglasses. Hmm. Well, I do a lot of my running at like noon sometimes it doesn't matter really yeah brave man what about your ears what are you what are you listening to what's working for you oh i have the i believe they're you know let me grab it because they changed the brand title i want to make sure i say this right two seconds okay just hanging out here folks well bracken's getting those i'm gonna advertise for us real quick i don't know bracken i'll leave this in here but if you haven't checked out the running public training plan you should do it. Nineteen ninety nine a month can cancel at any time. We had a lot of new signups after pushing it recently, and I think hopefully a lot of happy athletes. So 
If you haven't hopped on board yet, you should check it out. We're building towards a fall uh, race of sorts, maybe a longer event. Um, so still giving you guided training, even though the U.S. National Series is over. Plug Just do a little plug Bracken's here while I was back. going? No, I would never, Bracken. <laughs> I would never. Kirk, I've been on the search for headphones for a long time. I've tried earbuds. I've tried uh, Beats. I've tried AirPods, regular and pro. I most recently tried Jabra Elite, the 75Ts, I believe. I've tried a lot of expensive and I have, I think, narrow ear canals and I'm sensitive to things like that. And if they just don't fit right, I don't like them. So the best I have found, it was Plantronics Backbeat Fit. It had a little rubber strap around back and that was the only downside, but I wore my hat backwards. So I just let it rest on that. But they came out with a Bluetooth version. I'm holding up. They look a little bit like Beats, Mm -hmm. but they have uh, a rubberized coating so it doesn't It's not harsh. It doesn't slip on your ear. And they have really good battery life, really decent sound, but they're not, they don't block off your ear canal. So -hmm. you can sweat freely in them and it never feels weird or slippery. And you can hear your surroundings, but you don't have that like give and take between bad audio and being able to hear. Mm -hmm. So that they are now Plantronics. uh, It's not JBL anymore. It's Plantronics. So they're the PLT... 3150s i believe but they're cheap they're like under 100 bucks they're indestructible totally sweat proof i believe you can swim in them you won't be able to hear anything but you can jump in the water with them and they're just the absolute best running earphones i've ever used wow that's a plug right there what's the price point 100 bucks i assume uh i want to say i got them for like 69 or 79 or something like that they have two Mm. versions they have the non-rubber coated ones and the rubber coated ones Oh, sorry. They have the, they have ones that the kind I have, and then they have a kind with more of like a Bose tip to it where it fills your ear canal. Mm. And I started on the one without it. So it was a little cheaper. Maybe it was like 60 bucks. Well, I ran in the second year and I'm now and love them. Okay. Well, I ran in the Jaybird run. Mm, um, I tried those a couple of years. Um, They're okay. They were okay. I was never fully satisfied with the audio quality. And they ran about 170 bucks, I think, for a, yeah. the pairs I got. And they only made it two to two and a half hours for me. Two hours usually, and they were dead. And in the cold weather, sometimes I wouldn't even make it an hour. I mean, fully charged, new. In, in the winter, I just got really frustrated with them. So you know what I did? I threw those things away after getting I frustrated get enough. fit. And then I ended up landing on the MIFO. Uh, MIFO, $100 pair of headphones. Uh, battery life is over 10 hours on these things for 100 bucks. I ran my up. Solo Ultra for Mifo. four. Yep. MIFO. <clears throat> MIFO Gen Touch, I believe. Um, in fact, Ryan Atkins uh, made a little story about getting new headphones, and it was this headphone, and he was really happy with the battery life because Ryan Atkins goes out and adventures constantly. Hmm. Um, anyways, this MIFO... Um, lasted for almost five hours i mean it's never not lasted for something i've done i'll go out and do yard work and wear them for three four five hours and they're completely good um i have the touch version i wish i got a one that had a like a button on the end because sometimes on rare occasion Mm -hmm. the wind can catch it right or something and it can like stop your music or like the touch is so sensitive um but i've been really the sound quality is better than the jaybird run and the battery life is absolutely phenomenal and i got so sick of my my jaybirds dying on me mid-run especially in winter 
So I went to that. I've been happy with that. Uh, I would not get the touch version if I could go back only for those rare instances where it's like paused itself on me or skipped some mm. songs and it's like rare, like a bead of sweat hits it or something. But other than that, I really like them and the battery life is phenomenal. And for a hundred bucks, um, I think that's a really good deal. So I bought my it girlfriend is. a pair as well and she really likes them. I like that. Lisa runs with the AirPod Pro and just one of them in. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah, so mine are the Backbeat Fit 3150s, 99 new. You can find them for 79, 75. Well, and I don't skimp. Like, I'm kind of the guy you've said this where I'll, like, go buy the the most expensive thing if it is the best thing, truly. And there's much more expensive headphones out there, like $200, $300 headphones. And they are good, but I found this this $100 pair of Mifos has the same sound quality as more expensive ones or even better. And, again, it's hard to match the battery life on a – bluetooth headphone like of 10 hours or 12 hours that's ridiculous and it's tiny so that is outrageous yeah how do they sit while cycling i know we will have people that say how dare you wear earphones while cycling well there's more places to bike than on a road so uh so far that so far so good i had them pop out of my ears one time doing a hard descent on like a sweaty day just like fell out but i mean i've been running them for a year of course that's yeah Ain't gonna happen, but no, good while cycling. I wear them while cycling. Oh, yeah. There are people that will say you're not a real runner if you listen to music or anything while you run, and that's nonsense. You want to know what I was listening to during my 5k time trial? I bet you will not guess. It was a Pandora radio station. Do you think you can guess? I- 90s pop. I mean, you're a 90s alternative guy, so I would guess that, but Spice Close. Girls Radio. Closer yet. Really? <laughs> I was listening to Alanis Morissette Radio. Oh, that's so ran, good. I ran fifteen twenty eight listening to Alanis Morissette Radio. I thought you think you that's know, the fastest anyone's ever run listening to Alanis Morissette? Without question. I think I, I hold that record, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. That's ironic. I do. It really is ironic. <laughs> Move, moving on. <laughs> What's next? What's next down the line? I guess shirt. I don't, you're not putting anything on your lips these days, are you? Sunscreen, any of that stuff on your face? People might want to hear about some sweet sunscreen options. I just have whatever they have at Aldi. (laughs) Okay, that's our recommendation there. I find it hard. If you guys have a good sunscreen recommendation, I typically don't wear it because I run either only for an hour in the middle of the day or my long runs early enough in the day where I don't um, need to put sunscreen on because it's barely light out. But I would be curious if anybody had like one that doesn't run in your eyes. Every time that I put sunscreen on, it's just an eye burn stupidness. Yeah. And so I'd be curious if there's something. I'll flip my hat around on the uphills to protect my face. No, I don't do anything like that currently. And shirt, I have one single favorite shirt right now. Okay. Craft Nano Weight. They make a tank sleeveless. They make a short sleeve. They make a long sleeve. It is the lightest, most breathable shirt I've ever worn in my life. What would be it's the not purpose even of a shirt right now for you, out of curiosity? Well, I, I mean, currently, like in this day, I'm not wearing a shirt when I run because it's so hot and muggy. That's a bit But thing. like when we were in Ireland, I ran in it every day. And you can wear it down in the, I mean, for me, I can wear it in the 40s or 30s because I don't get super cold, but you could wear it. Like if I needed sun protection, I could race in the 80s or 90s. I wore the tank version for Tennessee Mile this year, six hours, and didn't really notice it. It's just so breathable. What is it harder to find? Exactly. What's the exact model? Craft Nano Weight Short Sleeve. 
Okay. It's a it's a year or two old. I get mine on runnerin.com. They still have stock of it. Okay. And craft I found fits a size small. So if I want a medium, I have to order a large. Hmm. It's good to know. Yeah, even the craft like t-shirts we're getting at Spartan races at times are like a bit short. Like I'll get a medium, but I feel like it's borderline belly button shirt. I'm like yeah. uh, their long sleeves are snug. Nice. If I wear a medium normally, it feels like almost a, a compression or fitted shirt. I've, I got to get a large or an XL, and I'm not a big guy. Well, it's, this is a tough one because summer weather, I'm I'm always shirtless as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but once in a while, the flies have been bad, and so then I've chosen to wear something just because it's, you know, how it gets. The flies are real disgusting. Um, but I've just been wearing, honestly, I wear old Spartan craft cutoffs. And they have a real, like the, the old Spartan shirts and even the newer ones, like just turn them into cutoffs. Um, not the old cotton shirts, which I really did like. Um, they're actual craft ones they hand you out at the end of the race. Worth wearing, in my opinion, out on those hot days. I think they handed yeah. them out in like 18, 19, maybe 20, but um, it works. It works. That's really it. I, I think we should touch on uh, rain gear. If you would like, yeah. because there was a couple cold mornings here where we had some drizzle and it, it required wearing something. What do you What do you got for that? I'm looking up the exact title because I my I have a new one that I bought for Seven Sisters, which I ended up not <clears throat> being able to race, but I hmm. really like it. But I've got to pull up the exact because uh, I think it's a Norwegian brand or something. So why don't you kick us off? Everyone knows about our our Houdini jacket. Yeah. Um, if it's warm enough out, like our skin is waterproof in case anybody was wondering. So if it's warm, it tends to be waterproof. It lets water out, but doesn't soak it up too well going the other way. So, um, shirtless again, which I know isn't earth shattering, but, uh, we talk about the Patagonia Houdini to the point which we should start getting a kickback on this show. But but the nice thing as far as um, rain protection goes is it's more just uh, traps your body heat in there if it is a cooler rainy day. And yes, it's it's only like water resistant, so it will get saturated. But once the rain stops, for example, it dries out really quick. Like that thing will dry itself out in practically minutes if you had a nice breeze. And it traps your body heat in, so it does a good job of keeping you warm if it is one of those colder rainy days. So even though you are technically getting wet, it does a nice job of trapping body heat, which won't Uh, allow you to get cold so that's why i like that on rainy days in the summer you don't necessarily need a full waterproof you just need to make sure you're not getting too chilled and so um that's actually the one i i wear and i have a more heavy duty one but i wouldn't i wouldn't bust that out until colder temperatures which we're not dealing with right now gotta go grab my jacket i can't find the email receipt okay tiny more seconds i got such an irresponsible co-host and hey about that running public training plan, folks. I'm plugging it again. $5 strength add-on. Basically, 5 bucks a month. Give you your strength work. For those of you wondering, we are changing the strength work here shortly. Now that we are through championship Spartan season. So that will be happening. But uh, $19.99 for the training plan. 5 bucks for the strength add-on. Um, and again, we're going to be building some sweet fitness going into the fall. Where you can pick whatever race your heart desires. You'd be ready for anything from a 5k to even like a, let's call it like a mountain marathon. Um, choose your own adventure every day between like the short version, the medium version, or the long version of a workout. If you're a low mileage runner, you can cross train in between. We give you those options, detail it out for you. 
uh, and working on foundational stuff here coming up. I'm going to keep, oh, he's back, folks. I was just minding my own business over here. All right. So this is it, and it squishes up even smaller. It's like the size of a potato. The audience can't see this. Rab. R-A-B. Nice. Okay. Rabe, maybe. It's international. But it was highly recommended. I did a ton of research because I wanted to not have to use it and just squish the smallest, <clears throat> lightest. Uh, but it has to be fully waterproof and taped seams because they were following UTMB rules. So this is one of the jackets I found. And I ran with it in Ireland despite not racing. Uh, Phantom. Rab Phantom pull-on. So this one has a, a half-zip top. Yep. So that's completely little, waterproof? Completely waterproof. This thing, folks, looks real thin, real small, real lightweight. You can almost see through it. It's like if you have the Patagonia Houdini, it looks almost identical as far as weight and texture, except it's all the way waterproof. It's the same thickness, maybe slightly thinner than the Patagonia Houdini. I'm going to look this up You could shove that right in now. your pants pocket. You could shove it in anything yeah. it would fit. So it's, it's a good-looking jacket there. What's the price point on the Rab? I'm looking it up right now. Um... I might be in the market, maybe. Well, it starts at one ninety nine, but this exact one on sportsshoes.com right now is one thirty three. They're supposed to say running isn't expensive, right? All you need is a pair of shoes and step out the door. Well then you add a six hundred dollar exactly. watch, two hundred dollar rain jacket, two hundred dollar pair of shoes, two hundred dollar pair of sunglasses, hundred dollar pair of headphones, thirty dollar hat. $50 compression shorts, $30 sports bra. What am I at, Bracken? I don't know. I'm... Way too much. Way too much. I'd say cut costs and don't get your sports bra. Mm. Anyways, this says uh, hydrostatic head pressure of 20,000. That's its rating. Which, I don't know what that means. Uh, it's how many millimeters of water you can absorb over 24 <laughs> hours, I believe, before it mm. starts leaking. Sounds like that's a lot. How they, so specs, it is 86 grams, which is 3.03 ounces. Has a Pertex shield, hydrostatic head of 20,000, breathability of 20,000. Both are relatively high. You can get higher, but I believe you need 10 or 15,000 for UTMB. And I think our Houdini is probably between 5 and 10 in terms of its permeability and breathability. So it's a legit jacket. I've run in it in rain in Ireland. Very good. I think the thing people need, like a jacket like that, like the Patagonia Houdini we talk about, the nice thing is, is that that jacket can layer when it's not raining. Like they do, those thin jackets like that, like the material in them does a really good job of trapping heat. And so they're actually good. Like, oh, I can only wear it when it's raining. It's not worth 160 bucks. Well, you're wrong. You can wear it other times too. Not right. just when it's raining. You also can wear it while it's raining. That's what people need to think about when they make a purchase like that. Yeah. And there are more waterproof <laughs> options, but they're heavier. Mm -hmm. And in a race, especially if you want to take it in and out, pack it, unpack it, light is just so key. So in terms of a race jacket, I absolutely recommend the Rab Phantom. Mm. You mentioned UTMB, and then that got me thinking of the Golden Trail series. And then you saw oh that. My goodness. Uh, our guy, John Albin, again, went out and won his second now in a row. My gosh. Davide was there. I think Seb was there. Bart. Bart was there. Bart was there. The Scott runner. Uh, what's his name? The blonde guy. 
Um, anyways, he ran s- smart. He let him on that first long runnable climb. He let him just get a little bit on him. And then when the race got real and technical and gritty, it was like he popped a gap. I'm, I'm halfway through the live coverage. I haven't watched how it ends. I mean, I know how it ends, but I haven't seen it. But man. And then like three American women in the top 10 on the women's field. Yeah. Crushers. Go watch that stuff, folks. It's good. It's good. Good value. And then go back um, and listen to John's two interviews and find out that he's not too far out of surgery. Big thing, like big picture, all things considered. He's so laissez-faire too. He's so casual about how good he is. And like the way he approaches everything, like maybe he's splitting hairs more than he leads on, but I really don't think he is. I think he's like, I'm going to go in and get some good stimulus via the workouts I'm doing, but he doesn't seem like a hair splitter with his like metrics. And I like no. that he's going out there and working hard and then recovering and working hard and recovering for, for the most part. And it's, he goes out to these races and he, he's trained on the course for a couple of weeks and knew it back, like the back of his hand. And he just does the things that it takes to be the best on the top. He does all those little things. Yeah. Impressive. And he's a monster. Yeah. I saw Bailey Kowalczyk was out there. I saw Johnny Luna Lima in the live feed. Uh, I don't know how he did, but I saw him. I was like, it's Johnny. I'd be curious. I don't know if you saw, but. Yeah, he, who was he running with the other day? He was doing a, he was on a run with someone that I did not expect to see Johnny in the. Well, he was with John. Him and John were running together a couple of times. And I really, and I don't <laughs> even think that's who I saw, but maybe, maybe it was. But yeah, it just mm-hmm. the connections this sport has made are pretty cool. It is cool. Not to distract. All right. So anything else for the top? Nah, that's enough for now. Maybe it's pack. Time to talk pack. Well, do you want to talk armpits? Just a real quick plug for your salty britches or your yeah. butter, butter cream or whatever you use. Salty britches for when I really need to not chafe. And for short stuff, we just use body glide. Yeah. Lisa uses it on every run and I use it on my backside of my armpits Anytime I'm going longer than like an hour in the summer, maybe 45 minutes if I've been lifting more. Smart. I don't use anything and I pay for it every time. So don't listen. <laughs> don't listen to me. <laughs> my traps always stick out and get me. So I chafe right at the back part of my armpit where my traps insert there. And I don't know if I'll ever learn Bracken. I'm a salty sweater, a very salty sweater. And so when I chafe, it just lights up when the salt gets in there and then it rubs worse because that's a salt deposit area. So I just can't, I can't do it. It takes one per year and I vow never again will I let that happen this summer. It's terrible. All right, pack. Let's talk pack. Kirk, I've been testing so many packs. I'm listening. So many packs and I still do not have a pack that beats my original Solomon uh, what would that be? Three set, I believe I have. I'm on my second set of straps across the front because I broke one, but it's still the lightest and most conforming to my body pack. It has one downside. Well, I guess two. One, it can't really support a hydration bladder, but I don't. I don't need that for the type of running I'm doing. But it is so difficult to get my soft flasks in and out. So difficult. So there are other packs that are better at that, but I still don't have one that bounces less and is more comfortable and lighter. But I have my eye on some Usue or Usui, U-S-W-E. I've, it's another Nordic brand, I think Swedish. And they have two of the most interesting looking packs that I've seen. The Pace 
two and the pace eight. So those would be the next ones that I pick up and test out, but I'm still 99% of the time. I'm a waist belt guy. Same. And we'll get into that in a sec, but I've had the same Solomon S lab. God, it's gotta be close to the version you have. You had um, one gen newer, I think. I think one gen newer. Yeah. Um, and I've had it since 2017 and it's still going strong. Not that I wear it very much, but um, I have not had a problem. Surprisingly, a ton of storage. I mean, all of those sit a little goofy when the water bottles are full and they're hanging on your chest. You get that little bit of front pull. Um, but other than that, I haven't had one issue. I run in it without a shirt on and haven't even chafed, which is oddly uh, surprising to me. Um, and uh, that's the only one I've been using. And I haven't used it at all this summer because I haven't done anything long enough to warrant it where I couldn't pit. So then I'm, I'm always picking a waste pack. Uh, mm -hmm. If I can make a waste pack work, I'm going to find every way in my power to make the waste pass pack work over uh, wearing an actual vest. I don't yeah. know if you're the same way, but. I think you're one or the other. There are people who just don't mind a pack and there are people who just need a waste pack. One or the other drives you nuts. And I well, am this... through and through a waste pack guy. Well, I'm not trying to pat us on the back here, toot our own horn, but without question, the faster you run, the more that vest seems to you notice it. The faster you're running, the faster speeds you're running, the more that vest comes into play. And if there's a lot of flat ground running, you really notice it. At least I do when I'm trying to run hard yeah. and fast. Whereas the waist belt, I can run as hard and as fast as I want going up, down, or flat, and it's barely noticeable. It just doesn't change my um, biomechanics at all. And I feel like yeah. I have a pack that's full will. And so um, I think if you're a slower runner in quotes, I think, I think it, it's a little more negligible what you're choosing as far as speed translation. But I feel like the faster you're going, um, the more I like the belt. Yeah, I would agree with that. But then I watch the golden trail series or I watch these ultras and these tiny waif, like super fast guys and girls are wearing packs with no issue packs that I'd look and be like, Oh, it's too heavy for me. And there's these double digit weight people out there just flying up and down the mountains with it. And I realized, no, it's just, I'm in my head. I need to put in a winter where I, or a fall or something where I wear the pack fully loaded every single day for like a month mm. or two and then just get over it. Yeah. But wearing them on mountains is very different than wearing them on flats. And if True. you're either going up or down most part, like I can see getting away with it. And I saw, what was it? Bart, uh, you know, like he's only half filling a soft flask because yeah. he's going to get a refill again somewhere else. So these people aren't running with, with 16 ounces of water on each of their chest. They're, they're having them and just taking what they need till they get their next assistance. So I never saw anybody, even on the start line, I could be wrong with like a full, full bladder. Not in this one. Cause it was only two forty five, I think for the winter. Yeah. Two thirty or something, some, something like that. There. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, waste pack guy, I, I have a love hate with this, uh, this Nathan peak belt that we have. <clears throat> yep. When I get it situated, I love it. There are some runs. I just never get it situated and it drives me crazy. And so my still, my favorite all time is the original Nathan vapor car waist belt. And they came out with a upgraded version and I don't know what they call it now. Um, Atkins raced with it. The last two times I've seen him use a pack, he wore it at Spartan Worlds in Abu Dhabi, and I just don't like it. It's too easy for the bottle to fall out, and it's hard to get back in. Now, the original one, it's hard to get the bottle back in. So I find that when I use a waist belt, I drink more of a concentrated mix, and I drink less frequently. 
if I have a chest pack, I can sip all day long, but it's the getting out and back in of the vapor car, which is its big issue. And I've modified the opening and the, uh, the attachment point to make it more secure and easier. But outside of that, uh, naked running belt is what I'll use. And how do you, and does naked have like, um, an actual bottle holder? No, it's one, basically three. It's a band that goes all the way across. There's no zipper. There's no enclosure. It just require, it relies on compression. So I don't put full bottles in there, but if I just need to stash stuff, that's, that's the other one I use. And it has, it has pull straps on there as well. Okay. And you can fit like a soft flask in the little slits or holes in there easy enough. In all of them easily. Yeah. One of them, you can fit two full size in. it just bounces too much for me. People say it doesn't bounce. I, I find that it bounces. If I could only own one waste pack, it would be the original Nathan vapor car. Okay. I had two. Well, I, I gave one to Macaulay. He loves it. Yeah. Yeah. So Mike Ferguson gave me one in exchange for an ultimate direction waste pack that I didn't like. And he loved. So we swapped. Oh, nice trade. Trades. Yeah. Have you caught up with Mike Ferguson lately? About a month or two ago, we had a phone call oh. out of the blue. And then not since. I saw he's been training a little bit mm-hmm. again, which is good to see. Um, yeah. I mean, I've worn on the Nathan Peak belt for a couple of years now. Uh, I love it. You get that thing. You just got to cinch that baby on what you think is just a hair too tight. And then it'll just ride up a titch from there once you get going and then it settles. But you're right. If you have it a little too loose, it becomes sort of an, an issue. Just gotta be I fucked to... with it once. I fucked with it the entire run, and it just yep. pisses me off. Uh, my only qualm with the Nathan Peak belt is uh, running shirtless. I will chafe on my lower back right yep. above my shorts line. I got to find a way to around that. I find a piece of KT tape just put uh, horizontally right above my waistline, um, not for functionality of, like, musculature, but just to prevent rubbing. That's a perfect solve. Um, I just – that belt, that belt just looks so bulky when you look at it. You see somebody running, and you see like where the the water's held, and it looks like it's substantial. But when it's on, it doesn't feel that way, and that's why it's deceiving. Like somebody, I know Ryan Kent runs in it. I've seen him race with it a number mm-hmm. of times, and getting that bottle in and out is super easy. It's very controlled. It's got that it's the best bun- part of it. It's got that bungee that goes over the nipple on the bottle that that locks it down into the belt, so it can't fall out. Um, and so it's. Uh, I think it's a great belt, and that's the one I'm going to keep keep using. If it wasn't for the chafing issue, um, I would give it a 10 out of 10 in my eyes. And just enough of a zipper next to that water bottle where I can put all the nutrition I need. If I'm on a long run, I can put my cell phone in there if I need to um, for music or whatever. Um, so it just it has just enough of everything um, for me. And I, I wore it in my 50Ks because I could get between water stations with even the 16-ounce. And so um, I'm a big fan of it other than the belt rub. Yeah. And I don't like the buckle. It's too, the strap and the buckle are too bulky for me. I think that's part of why I can't get it to situate. It's harder to lock down, but I don't know. I give it an eight. I'd give the, the vapor car a nine. If it was just a little easier to get the bottle back in, life would be great. I give my, an eight as well because of okay. the chafe issue, but it's not an issue if I put a shirt on. It's just tough to do this time of year. Yeah. Yeah. Best one okay. I ever wore was the Nathan, no, Fuel Belt. Either Nathan or Fuel Belt. There was a a trail mix, I believe. Maybe Nathan trail mix, and it had the twin 10-ounce bottles on the hips. Mm. And they still make it, but in fact, I just tested one out. But it has a narrow belt in back now, and so the bottle isn't secured at the bottom, and it just bounces up and down like the back flips in and out off your cheeks. Where <laughs> the old one, it was a normal size strap in front, and then it expanded 
and the bottom of where they, the bottle holster is was sewed onto the pack. And so it didn't bounce at all. I wore that for that first Spartan World Championship in Killington and I loved mm. it. Descended, bombed down, and since it's two tens instead of one twenty, it it just balances nicely. But they don't make that anymore. I can't find one. Well, I think and I parted of- it out back in the day when I thought I wouldn't use it anymore, and now I wish oh. I still had it. Well, the, the sign of a good pack, uh, like a vest or a waist pack, is when you are running. And the same thing goes for shoes. Actually, the same principle is uh, you don't even think about it. If you're not mm-hmm. thinking about your pack, uh, it is a good pack for you. If you're not constantly like, ah, it's rubbing or it's weird, I can't get this the way I want to get this out or in. Like, if you're not thinking about it, you've probably got yourself a good one. Same goes for shoes. If you're not thinking about your feet you probably got yourself a good pair of shoes for your foot. So yeah. um, just think about that. If you're using something and you're constantly thinking about it or futzing with it, probably not. You should probably start. You should still look for maybe another option. I agree. Yeah. Shorts. So we, sure. I guess we talked about undies already, huh? Yep. I'm down to just two compression shorts, Kirk. Okay. Ah, three. I still have my virus compression shorts for OCR. I haven't found a better compression short for OCR yet, but on daily training, I'm either in Exoskin or I am in Nike um, AeroSwift half tights. Hmm. How are the AeroSwift? They're expensive. They are not compressive. They are, I don't know. They're just soft and gentle on your legs. They're Mm -hmm. really comfortable. The only downside is they ride a little low on your lower back directly in back and they don't have a drawstring. So like I crank them up to start and then they're pretty good, but I wouldn't wear them for OCR where I'm bending over a bunch because I think my booty would be out by the end of it. But in terms of just running, it's fine, but you can attach, it has room to, if you can sew a little bit, attach a drawstring and then all your problems are solved, but they're the most comfortable half tight I've ever run in. And they have a built-in liner. And it's not super tight. So between that, you could probably get away with just that. But because it's a little loose in the waist, I don't <laughs> I don't trust that. Mm-hmm. So I wear my running briefs underneath that. And it's just, that's what I wore for Tennessee Mile. No chafing, no issue. I felt comfortable and that I was being modest. Sometimes wearing compression shorts in public, you don't feel super modest. Mm-hmm. So those are the two. I'll have to check those out. I'm those. never running them. I'll be curious. Maybe I'll buy a pair and check it out. I um. I, I've been impressed with Exoskin. So we were lucky enough to get some pairs sent to us. Um, and they look kind of goofy. Like the shorts mm-hmm. look like they're made for a little person, like your kid. They they look small, like sitting there because of the stretch factor. Obnoxiously them. small. Like this yeah, will you're never like, go up over my calf, let alone my waist. Correct. You look at them and you're like, gonna, that's not going to fit. Like I get, they messed this up. The pants are almost goofy. It looks like they're for a nine-year-old. Like when mm-hmm. I looked at the, the pants, I'm like, no way. Shocking. Like once they're on, like they're snug, but they're not too snug. They move with your body very well. You don't get that like baggy, like, you know how sometimes you can, the shorts can kind of slip down your leg and then you're almost restricted because you got that gap, like in your crotch where like the, yeah, like they, once you get it on it hugs tight, it stays there. And the exoskin I've been very impressed with. Um, and I don't see the brand out there a lot, but Justin Hamilton mentioned he runs an exoskin. Mm-hmm. Um, and after getting them sent to me, I've been impressed and wearing those. So I wear my exoskin, but I've got like 15 pairs of virus and uh, compression. And uh, although I don't, I don't like their pants very much. I think no, there's other companies. Terrible. Yeah, I shouldn't I say like terrible them. because that's, 
someone will reach out and be like, "Looks, I'm associated with that. That's just that's not the right response." Their pants slide down. They're Their way too tight down. across the bottom. You can't get them up, and then the waist doesn't hold you, and you get the baggy crotch thing. I, right, which restricts knee drives. Right. So, virus. I'm not a fan of their tight uh, pants, but their their uh, shorts are are good. The thing with the virus shorts is there's a big discrepancy in models. Like some will fit really good and have just the right amount of compression, but like not too much, and they they hold tight to your leg, and then another model will slip a little bit, and not quite fit the same. And there's a very different like uh, inseam length. Like one might be short, one might be long. So you got to know what you're getting there, and you got to experiment a little. But my favorite pair of shorts are two different virus pairs that I have. Um, yeah. Even over the exoskin, even though I think the exoskin is very reliable. Like when I get a pair of virus shorts that work, like they work, um, and they're very durable. I keep running them, washing so them, running durable. them, washing them. Yeah, that material just lasts, and so I've had the same pairs for years. I run them all the time, and they're still holding their compression. Exo so super durable as well. The Aeroswift shorts are not super durable, but Exo is probably the thickest. So they're not the ones I go to when I run want to run speed work or a warm day. They're the ones, mm-hmm. like if I had to run an ultra in cool weather, I wouldn't even think twice. I'd just be an XO. Yeah. I'm excited to try their pants once uh, winter fall, winter comes because I haven't, I got them after that time period. So I'll be excited. I think they're immediately going to be a top two winter tight for me. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Good vibes from them. Shorts. Um, I'm pure split short in summer. And oh, you are? Yeah. But as soon as I started cutting the liner out of shorts, I was able to wear any short I want. Prior to that, I was there was only a few types I could wear. As soon as I cut the liner out, everything is just a shell. So I just wear the lightest, most breathable shell with my underwear underneath, and then I'm a happy man. Sweet. I wear um, anything I get for free off of my Spartan credits for being on the pro team. So I got like four pair of craft uh, yeah. shorts, and they are fantastic, actually. Um Make a great short. Whatever I've gotten on Spartan's website, I've gotten pretty much all their models. Uh, some short inseam, some longer inseam. Um, once in a while, I'll even wear my split shorts, my craft split shorts for uh, quality days. Um, but, I mean, when you run in compression all the time and then you run in split shorts, they just feel fast and free. No matter what mm-hmm. you're wearing, your legs just feel fast and free. Um, so, of course, they feel great when I put them on. My legs can breathe. It's 90 degrees out. That feels nice. So, um, I don't know. I don't know if I have a strong opinion on on loose-fitting shorts. I don't anymore. The liner was always what made the short. As soon as I didn't care about that, I'd just buy the cheapest one in the color I want. I have Mizuno, Asics, Nike, Kraft, Solomon. Solomon's probably the worst. They don't stay up. Mm. And their material is the best, but their, their waistband is another non-starter for me. I will give a little bit of a plug. If you're looking for something different, um, I got sent a pair of mud gear compression shorts. They got into their own compression shorts now. Really? Um, and they sent them to me so I could take photos of the product to be on their website. I'm their model. Oh, um, I know. Right. But anyways, I did not like them. Um, I did not like them when I put them on. I was like, this short is kind of silly. It was a little loose in the thigh, but held really tight on the seam on the bottom. I was like, this, I don't know. I just don't, I wasn't in love with it when I put it on, but I gave it a chance last week running on the incline uh, trainer and I was pleasantly surprised actually way beyond what it feels like on first uh, test or just by putting them on because what that short really does well is yes, it's tight on the bottom. It has like this elastic band almost, 
but these shorts do not slide down on you at all. When you put them on, even before you sweat, they are locked. And so I think they held tight. They didn't go down. I didn't get the baggy, saggy crotch. Never had to worry about hoisting them back up. They sat really nice. And I suddenly went from like a short I didn't really fall in love with as I put it on because it wasn't terribly comfortable to a short. Like once I got into the workout, I was like, I get it. Okay, this is a good short. And it's good because it stays put. And that's kind of valuable in a compression short. So, and not too sure. tight, not too loose. So anyways, uh, I'm going to be playing around with that a little more. And I like those people over there. So if you want to support them, um, I actually give it the stamp of approval. Okay. That's it. Mugger supported me for years. So I can't, I can't be upset with that recommendation. Yeah. I love those guys. Yeah. Okay. So what are we moving down to next? Anything else Socks. in your legs? Yeah. Anything else you're wearing on the knees or anything that people need to hear about? Nope. Not at all. Socks. I only want run in two socks now. Yeah. It's Swiftwick Aspire. Any length doesn't matter. They have a length for every purpose. Or I wear my old Skechers or Reebok Peds. Those little like mm-hmm. boat shoe socks. Those are the only two things I run in anymore. Well, you converted me to Swiftwick, and I have not gone back. Oh, um, I have two pairs of darn tough. And then in the winter, when it's really cold, I have some pairs of darn tough, which okay. are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but I typically, the ones I have of, of theirs are a little thicker. I know they make thinner models. And then I wear darn, darn tough for all my hiking and hunting, actually, socks. They make fantastic merino wool socks uh, for colder weather running and hiking. Um, but yeah, right now it's Swift Work, Swift, Swiftwick 100% of the time. And I got to thank you for that. I mean, it's $20 a pair of socks for their, their high line, and it is worth every penny. Yeah. Yeah. That the Aspire line in particular is what I like. They make more cushioned, they make other versions and colors, but just give me my solid gray or black with the Aspire. That's their thinnest line. And I just don't, I don't chafe. I don't blister and they do a good job with water and sweat. And and I've said this before when we've talked about these socks, but like they not only like they grab your foot and then don't move, and then they grab your shoe somehow on the outside and don't move. They like sticky, not sticky, but the ones I have, they have just enough of a tack to them where like they grab onto what you're doing. So you don't, you're yeah. less likely to like move in your shoe and your foot's less likely to move in your sock. Once you put that sock on, it's just there. And it never slips down on me ever, ever, ever. Never, ever, ever. So that's what I like about the sock so much on top of the fact it's breathable, but it just, it's grabs both your foot and the shoe. And that's important, especially when you're doing up and down hill work, um, that becomes uh, a factor. And I have no show. I have ankle. I have just over the ankle. I have crew. I have knee high. They're all great. Yeah. I even ripped a pair of the knee highs. I caught them on something and I cut them down to crew length. Still work great. Really? In fact, I use that one for ultras because then it's not as compressive around my leg and I get better, less swelling above my sock line. Well, about two months ago, I made another, I finally committed to, okay, my whole rotation needs to be swift with because I'm just going to those same socks all the time anyways mm-hmm. and ignoring my other ones. So, you know, I spent 200 bucks at one crack at oh. 10 pairs of socks. I mean, that's a, t- a tough pill to swallow, a little more than that on socks, but uh, that's how much I like them. So I think I find them on sale. I never, I never buy them full price because they're, they're like 17 to 20 a pop, but you can usually find them on sale somewhere. You can where it's like swim outlet or tennis depot or Uh, runner. Like it's the, the random spots, some, some hiking shop. I got to stop going directly to the website. So you're telling me they, they run sales from time to time. And I, I think Mm. people can support aspire. I mean, support Swiftwick. They seem to be a pretty solid brand. 
Yeah. All right. So <laughs> let's go shoot. watch, Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> we forgot watch yeah. and heart rate monitor. Yeah. Oh, silly us. Okay. I've been using my at... zone heart rate. Okay. I got it for free when Kelly and I won the North American champs for high rocks. That was part of the, the podium package, but it's the only heart rate monitor that's ever stayed up consistently on my chest. And I haven't had to futz with only one ever. So I, if I knew nothing else, that would be enough. But then they also, they have a little pod and you can pop that sensor out and then put it into a wrist or arm based strap as well. You got multiple straps and you just move the pod around, which is super nice. So then I use wrist or arm most of the time. And if I want like super dialed in heart rate data, then I wear the chest strap. Mm. I haven't gone back to the chest strap in like six years because it's just so uncomfortable yeah. for me now. So I've been, when, since you turned me onto the Wahoo ticker fit armband, uh, I've been using that religiously for the last, I don't know, four years. Um, the only problem with the armband technology, and I found this across the board is that when I do like strength wads or Metcons and I'm really flexing my arms, uh, go overhead for pull-ups and like a compromised OCR workout, it will misread at times. It'll be like, I know I'm working at 170 heart rate and it drops to 130 out of the blue. Mm-hmm. It's just something with the muscular contraction in the full, I wear it in my forearm. Um, oh, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes throws it off a little bit and then it'll get itself back on track in, in the you know upcoming 10 or 15 seconds. But that's my only qualm. But for pure running, it hasn't failed me once. And so and it's, it's lasted forever. You got to go my through go-to. bands eventually. Yeah. That Wahoo was my go-to until this one. The one downside is that the wrist strap has a plastic housing for it and it irritates your skin. There's like, it has a, it ends in an edge rather than rounded. Mm. So I had to sand it down myself, but it drove me nuts until I did that. What's the price point of the MyZone? Do you know? I don't even know. I'll look it up right now while you start talking watches. Well, the Wahoo ticker fit runs like 79 bucks. It's like a no brainer if you want heart rate. Yep. And it'll pair with any watch you have. Literally any watch will just find the heart rate monitor. People always ask that question. Will it, will this heart rate monitor pair with my watch? The answer is always yes. In general, um, any monitor will have a setup system to pair with your watch. And then I'm running the Phoenix or Fenix six Garmin Fenix six, um, really cool functions on it actually, because like I was out hiking, doing some deer hunt scouting yesterday. We saw that on Strava. You're probably wondering what I was said, doing. Kirk's hiking a lot. Yeah. That's, that's hunting. Well, I'm not scouting. hunting yet, but I am scouting. Yeah, I dragged just along with me. We had a good time. But, um, I mean, it even has a map function. Like, I can pull up where I'm at in the world in real time. And if I was in real trouble doing some backcountry stuff, um, I could navigate my way out with that watch. And that alone is invaluable. And then it's got a built-in altimeter. So in real time, I know how much vert I am getting. I don't have to wait for it to upload to Strava. And that's key when I have specific workouts I'm hitting. Um, and then the functionality and metrics on the Fenix is like, if you're a golfer, it'll keep track of that crap for you. If you play water polo, somehow it knows what you're doing there. It's like got a lot of ton- tons of functions, um, especially if you're cross-training and, and doing all that stuff. Um, and I use a lot of the features on, on that as well. So um but you, you got to be willing to pay five or 600 bucks and that can be a hard pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. Well, I okay. now have two watches Yeah, because <laughs> of the, the Arizona debacle where I broke mm-hmm. two watches in two days. Whoops. But my daily is my forerunner. Yeah. Uh, I believe I'm on the 230. No, no, no. This is the 735 XT. So this is the, this is the triathlon watch and it just has a few more features for a multi-sport athlete, but I love it. It's so light battery life is sufficient for anything I need, but then I have the Phoenix five Phoenix five. I'm going to say Phoenix. 
Yeah, whatever. Phoenix. We should know. Phoenix 5. Doesn't matter. I'll say Phoenix. You can have Phoenix. And now I use that anytime I need to know vert or if I need real battery life. Yeah, my battery uh, typically says it lasts 12 days on my Phoenix, typically when it's fully charged. And if I roll for like three, four, or five days with it, I'm timing my clients in the gym all the time. So I'm using the chrono function on it all the time. Um, wearing it in life, like it actually lives up to it. Like when I'm using it and running it constantly, freaking thing never dies. It's incredible. I use it all week. Don't even have to think about charging it once. I can run in it, time my clients in it, all that still charged all week. It's mind blowing. It's a pretty good advertisement right there, Kirk. No, yeah, we have no affiliation with any of these other than we don't. if we got it for free, we've announced it already. Yep. Virus, I got free and believe we both got our XO free Every and the MyZone, I won. But other than that, we bought all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boko hats, we got free. Yeah, we got our Boko hats free. Yeah. But I, I would buy that again in a heart rate. In a heart rate. In a heartbeat. But speaking of heart rate, I have the MZ Switch. That's the the specific product that you can pop between three different bands in that the whole bundle is 159 on their website. Okay. You can get it cheaper on Amazon, I believe. <clears throat> nice. But it's been good. I guess we have to talk about shoes, Kirk. Let's make this brief because we're already almost at an hour, what, 15? I'm just going to list. Okay, list all the shoes that you are running in currently and then pick one road, one trail, one racing. All right. For the road, what I currently use, road or treadmill, I have my Skechers Razor 3 is my jack-of-all-trade shoe. I have my uh, Adios Pro 2 from Adidas, which is my super shoe that I'm using as a poor man's uh, reduced gravity treadmill machine. Thank you, John Albin. I have my Saucony Endorphin Pro that I use to kind of spell the other two. The other two. Just give them a break. Those are the three I'm currently using the most. Okay. I run in my Hoka Clifton's for all my recovery work on the roads. Um, I have done fast stuff in them just because I like them enough, but Hoka Clifton has plenty of cush. Um, and it fits my foot pretty well. So Hoka Clifton on the roads for easy work. I'm running in that almost exclusively. And then uh, on the roads right now, I'm almost exclusively endorphin pros. And I've been playing with the alpha flies recently and uh, have no shame now that I put that shoe on my foot to use it again when needed. Um, I actually don't feel like the alpha fly, by the way, after testing it all out, the alpha fly does not feel any faster to me than like the endorphin pro or some <clears throat> other shoes. Um, I do think it saves you from the pounding when the work, once you get into the workout, once you get into the effort, like I could see why it's a great marathon shoe without question helps keep you economical. And it really saves the impact with the hard concrete over duration. I feel and believe I am faster in actually other shoes, especially that Skechers, uh, like Gomeb speed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure that's a faster shoe for like ripping ma- a mile or anything, um, without question. But, um, anyways, alpha fly is a good shoe. I like that shoe or in my time trial on that shoe, but, um, I will say that for special occasions and I'll be with the endorphin pro. So, or endorphin pro and Clifton long way. You know what that means? What's You're that mean? a vaporfly responder. Why? Cause I am faster in the alpha without a doubt. And it's definitive I, for me, which means really? your stride is more made for the vapor. Yeah. I don't feel like, and, and yes, there's going to be an asterisk in some people's eyes, but like my time trial, I wore the alpha flies in it, but no, I don't, I don't feel faster in it for sure. I don't. And I but, for sure do. And it's like, it's blatant. But, but 
economics, maybe when I was two miles into my time trial, when I started really working, just like the endorphin pro helps me keep my best stride. I felt like the mm-hmm. alpha fly did help with that. I didn't have as much stride breakdown. And so jury's still out, but maybe I'll have to try the vapor then. And if I ran out at the same effort level, I'd be six to eight seconds faster per mile in that shoe, even for mile one. Really? Jury's still out for me. Okay. And I do have one more shoe, sorry, that I have been using a lot, and that's the Skechers Max Road 5. Oh, what's the application? It's my cushioned easy shoe, recovery shoe. I run it with Lisa in that shoe. It's just a comfortable, nice rolling shoe, but I just wouldn't run fast Mm -hmm. in it. Cool. Trails. Trails. Always speed goat. Just love the shoe. In terms of speed, I've been grabbing the VJ Spark. Hmm. It's just made for my foot. I love the way that baby feels. And I recently put Caterpie laces in it, and it changed the shoe for the better for me. So we went camping, and I had to do some hill reps. And I grabbed the vj uh extreme threes or twos the vj extreme twos put them in my running box and then put them back and grabbed the spark and walked out of the house <laughs> so for whatever that's worth and then i've been using the north face endurus too the flight or the vective endurus too north face vective endurance too which they're it's their hoka version of their flight line or their it's mm. not their flight line their vective line sorry i like it it's got a good rocker to it, but it's not restrictive. It doesn't have a carbon plate. It has a composite plate. It's um, it's just a way more comfortable, accessible shoe. And then I've been using the Hoka Tecton X. I like it. You do like the Tecton? Yeah, because I love the, the, the Challenger and the Nepali ATR. And the shoe feels very... It feels like brothers or cousins to that shoe. So that's the type of mm-hmm. shoe that my foot likes. A bit of a rocker. It's lighter weight. It's got some softer cushion to it. I don't think the plate is propulsive very much. Mm-mm. Maybe a little bit on flat ground when you run, when you get under like 620 pace. For me, 620 pace, it might be a little more propulsive than those other two I mentioned, the Challenger and the Nepali. But it's not like, uh, it's not a super shoe, but it's sure feels nice. It does feel nice. My, my trainers are, I am much more of a fan of the Hoka Speed Goat 5 than the 4s or previous models, mm-hmm. mainly because it has, gives you a little more room in the toe box and the Speed Goats can be tight in the toe box for me, and which can cause some a little bit of pain if I go for a real long run over time. Speed Goat 5, they nailed that shoe. I can run quality in it. I can run long in it. Uh, that shoe's fantastic. And the exact same thing goes for the Tecton X. Those two shoes are all you need in your arsenal for training, in my opinion. Um, and then, um, if I'm doing something that I really care about, I'm a Scott man. Now I think with the, uh, super track RC two and the Kimbalu, um, it's just a fast feeling. You like that Kimbalu? Oh, it's such a sexy shoe, dude. It is so great. Right out of the box. Didn't blister, ran fast, good grip, very responsive. Um, and then I've been wearing my VJs on my up in incline treadmill workouts. I've been wearing my extreme twos and my sparks. Uh, when that thing gets soaked with sweat, I wore my extreme twos, uh, today and I did my warm up in the, in a pair of Hoka's, uh, and my feet were slipping on the belt. They were slipping at 30% while running. When I pushed off my toe, I was losing traction in the warm up. turned to the VJs for the real work and stuck like glue, man, like that rubber is something else. So as silly as it sounds, I'm using my VJs on the incline treadmill. Uh, once I get to anything above 15% grade and it is fantastic. 
And we received those for free for full disclosure. But that's a yeah. shoe I would buy in a heartbeat. Extreme 2 I would race in and the Spark for sure. They're fantastic shoes. Yeah. So if I could only own one road shoe, it would still be... Uh, it's actually closer now. But it would be the Skechers Razor 3. Because mm. I could do for everything racing. in that shoe. And I just like it. My foot is made for that shoe. And for the row, or for the trail, I'm still going to have to say the Speed Goat. But the Tecton X could replace it. Well, for the roads, I'm going to have to uh, stay with my Endorphin Pros, even over the Alphas right now. Um, just, That's my second place. That endorphin. is. But, yeah, but I'd say Endorphin Pro because they just feel like I'd run a fast mile in it if I had to or I could run it up to a marathon. I really feel like I could with that shoe. And then on the trails, uh, right now I'm going with my Tecton X. I had a beautiful long run done in that shoe about a week and a half ago and just served me right. So hmm. let me go Tecton X, yep. If I went with the Endorphin Speed rather than the Pro, that could be my one road shoe. Hmm. That carbon plate is just a little harsh for me, but the the Speed, especially the Speed 3, is softer. Hmm. I'll scratch that itch soon enough. I'm sure you will. Mm -hmm. Well, is that good enough? It probably is. Do you want to talk about, to wrap up, race feeling, what you put into your body when you race, what's working for you right now? Um, sure. Real quick. I mean, I think I'm in the minority here. Um, I, I've been still using energy chews and that's, they just sit well. I've had goose, for example, a lot of the gels make me super thirsty. Uh, these chews don't necessarily do that for me and, um, something about them just works. I feel if cellularly, I feel like they hit pretty good, even though it's probably made up of the same crap that's in gels. So I use bolt energy chews. It's by ProBar, actually. You'll see ProBars in like in the grocery store, but they have some Bolt Energy Chews, some with or without caffeine, very similar to Cliff Blocks. Um, they work for me. And I'm not – I've tried liquid nutrition, and I just want water. I want to separate the two. I don't really enjoy them together too much. Um, so that's where I'm at. And if I could only have one thing, it's Tailwind. Tailwind just works for me. It sits in my gut. Mm -hmm. It goes down easy. It's a bland taste, which works well for me. And I can make it as thick as I want. It mixes so well. That's the biggest issue with mixes is that they just don't mix. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they clump up. Tailwind mixes is as dense as I want to make it. It still mixes up. Mm -hmm. um, but I had my first Morton this year. And I, I tried three of them. Tim Lambiris dropped some off to me. And they worked fine. And I had my first spring energy. And I liked that as well. Mm -hmm. But I really don't take in stuff like that unless I'm going slower. Which tailwind I could take in the middle of a 5k if I really wanted to, which I wouldn't want to. I'm curious about the Morton. Um, and I did experiment with maple syrup. You see some people doing the maple syrup. Um, makes me nauseous. Like mm. if I take a, if I hammer one pack of maple syrup, um, I get a little queasy for the next five minutes, like notably and almost instantly something about how pungent that sugar is. Like that's a yeah. sweet, sweet, doesn't hit me right. I know a lot of guys have good luck with it, but for me, it makes me nauseous. So everybody's well, different. I've, I've raced up to six hours on nothing but tailwind and maybe could I've had more energy with something else? Maybe, but I had no issues. I had no downside to it. Good to know. So that's that. It's a wrap Kirk. That's that. Um, what kind of microphone do you use, Bracken? To do I use the blue Yeti. 
That's like the every man's entry level microphone. It's expensive enough that it's usually everyone's first or second mic, but it's cheap enough that you can get pretty far with it until you got to upgrade to a sure something else fancier. We're not there yet. What are you on? Because you had this and then you switched. Switched to the Rode Podcaster, R-O-D-E. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a little bump up from uh, that one on the price scale, but I don't know if the quality is any better really. But people seem... The hmm? best way we could improve our quality is improve our space. Yeah, I I live in a wood box. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. Okay, well, I made a couple plugs for the running public training plan while you were away, Brack, and I hope you don't mind. Confession. Uh, uh fine. Uh-huh. My bad. Anything else we want to tell the good people today? Otherwise, this one's gone on long enough, I think. Um, yes. We had great response to the should we do a destination event as the running public. Yes, we did. But I and, but yeah. And a lot of reminders that we need to have a training camp because people seem to bring that up in the same breath. Like yes, how do. many OCR obsessed people would show up for a training camp? And I'm like, yeah, we got to do it. Mm-hmm. Continue. But I do want to clarify because we've had people in two camps, people who are like, awesome. I would definitely come do a destination race with you guys. And sweet. I love that you guys are putting on a race. Uh-huh. And you even took it as that. That's what I thought you meant. We're going to so pick a trail. We, are... and... <laughs> we could. We could do that, but my thought was we do the easy entry and find a great pre-existing pursuit and then just get a big Airbnb and spend a couple days leading up to it. And afterwards, it's like a one long extended hangout slash Q&A session. Everyone prep for the event together, spend some time together, go do it together, and then debrief afterwards together and cook out and stuff like that. And it could be something like, we all go do seven sisters, go over to Ireland, rent a big Airbnb, do a massive epic sky race and something like that. Or it could be, we're all going to do rim to rim. Everyone who's ever had rim to rim on their bucket list. We're going to pick a time, rent an Airbnb, shuttle over there, carpool together and just take care of logistics and hammer it out. But I don't see us initially hosting our own race. We've it could be running before. Pikes Peak. It could be doing Mount Hood. It could, you know, anything, but something that's on people's bucket list and it gives you a reason to actually go do it. All right. I can get on board with that. Less logistics on our end too, Bracken. I can. Yeah. Someday I'd love to host an event. Mm-hmm. We tried but to pull off some virtual day. events. Virtual. They worked out all right. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Keep coming with that feedback if you got any more. I got a lot of messages about that as well, so. We're getting close to our Training Tuesday long-distance PR here, hour 28. Yeah. I see an hour 30. oh <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. This server. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Guys, this one might have bored you or it might have caused you to spend a few bucks, and for that, I am not sorry. How about Welcome you, to my house. <laughs> no kidding. All right. Till next time, folks. Peace. Peace.